Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we just take a few moments and lift our hands and let's just open this up good and proper with prayer. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we love you, we praise you, worship you. Thank you for the abundance of all things. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom. What you're doing in the earth in this hour, we praise you, give you divine recognition and glory. God, I give you praise, I give you glory. God, be with us this morning and uh, this afternoon in a special measure and allow something to be birthed in our hearts, illumination. Bring us up to another level. God, we want to go there. We're anxious to go there. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Man, it's great to see everybody. Um, you know, it's amazing some of these kinds of things that we were thinking the other day. I was trying to recall when the last time was we had anything that resembled um like a leadership session, and I really think it was in the building on Broadway, which would make that at least nine years ago, nine years ago, and we've come a long way in nine years, but uh, just since we scheduled this, just this last week, it is amazing how certain occurrences, some of them are just the affairs of life, take place and uh, situations seem to transpire when you try to schedule something good. Uh, but that's just the way it is. We're delighted to see each and every one of you here this morning. We're delighted to have Brother and Sister Holmes here all the way from North Little Rock. Now, um, many of you know uh, Bishop Holmes. Uh, Brother Nathan Holmes has been here, or Brother Joel Holmes has been here to preach. He's been here at our summit conference, and uh, we love him dearly. But this is the very first time to have brother and sister Nathan Holmes. He is the pastor of First Pentecostal Church of North Little Rock, Arkansas. There was a lot of people that I could have had come and be a part of this. And in prayer and meditation, more than once, I felt like the Holy Ghost continued to bring Brother Nathan Holmes back to my heart and my mind. One of the preeminent reasons why um, I feel like he was the right choice for this meeting is because what God has done in that church in North Little Rock for several generations has been absolute, absolutely stunning. And to me, can, can best be summed up by saying growth without compromise. And I was telling Brother Holmes uh, before we walked in here this morning, I said, you're, you're where we want to be. Uh, if the Lord tarries, I know that I won't be in the picture forever. But when we pass the torch off, we will expect and demand, although not here in body, I'll be here in spirit, uh, that 
this congregation continued to progress towards the example of churches like First Pentecostal Church of North Little Rock. And so, Brother Holmes, we love you, respect you highly, glad you're here, glad Sister Holmes is here. Everybody give a hand clap of praise for that. These are wonderful people. Let's give them, uh, Brother Holmes, our undivided attention. Don't let your stomach growl too much, but uh, we will be breaking here after a little while uh, for lunch. But uh, at this time, Brother Holmes, love you, appreciate you. Let's give him another hand praise. Jesus. I did this right. Am I on? Yes. It's good to see all of you here today. Wow. You came on a Saturday. That's a big deal. This is your only day. I maybe shouldn't remind you of this. This is your only day off, and you spent, you're spending it here. So before we get started, I'm just going to give you a big hand clap for being here today. Awesome job. Um, this, first of all, I just want to say how uh, blessed we feel to be here. Um, this is definitely not my comfort zone. I would prefer to be at home um, in my church working uh, I don't feel like I have all the answers. Really, I don't feel like I have any answers. Um, but I am happy to be here today, and it's an honor to be with Brother and Sister Mayo, their family, this church family. I've never been here, but I've listened to a lot of services on your website, and um, I've been blessed by the ministry of your pastor. I think we should show our appreciation for your man of God, Brother Mayo, and we appreciate him. So I'm not really sure what you came expecting today. Um, Brother Mayo gave me really specific instructions, and they were uh, something like, do whatever you feel. <laughs> so I'm not sure what you were expecting, uh, but... I do, I do know the Lord has uh, put some things on my heart. Honestly, um, I was praying over the past few weeks, and um, I was asking the Lord to speak to me for this, this meeting, and we've just had a few things. I told Brother Mayo when he asked me to come, I said, well, I'll, you know, yes, would be honored to come, but just so you know, uh, we have a lot of people that die in Arkansas, and I said, I don't know, you know, you just never know when you have a church that's over 80 years old, um, what's going to happen, so I'll do my best, he said he'll pray that nobody dies, and, uh, and so I thought, you know, I would get out of this by someone passing, but no one would die, <laughs> so, uh, but I really did. I really did feel that I would be here, and I felt like God spoke to me uh, for this, this time. 
I see this church, and uh, quickly, Brother Mayo took me by the, the wall with the buildings and the pictures, and um, I feel so touched by that. It's amazing to see what God has done in this local assembly in such a short time, 27 years. Um, incredible. It's amazing, and I know that it speaks to your leadership and the vision, but it also speaks to all of you that are here today. I assume that most of you in this room today uh, serve in some type of, of capacity in this church, whether leader or worker, and so uh, it speaks to your uh, catching the vision and adopting uh, the, the, the leadership, the ideas uh, of your pastor, and I want to say how much uh, I appreciate you and I commend you for what you have done. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Um, I was asked if I had notes. I have very detailed notes, but I didn't think I would share them with you uh, because I thought it would be better if we kept our attention together. And you may just want to jot down some things. I don't know. It may not be anything that you need. But I do feel like uh, I have some things to share with you today. Now, if at any point, Brother Mayo, you feel that uh, you would like for me to do something different or answer a question or whatever at, at the conclusion of this, I'm happy to do anything. Literally, I have no idea what I'm doing. So, uh so here we are, Genesis chapter 50, uh, verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. When I think about leadership, I think about Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob and Rachel. He resided in the land of Canaan with his family and his 12 siblings. He was the firstborn of, his, of Rachel. He was Jacob's 11th son. Of all of his sons, Joseph was the favorite of his father, signified by the gift of a coat of many colors. Um, and we understand in ancient uh, Canaanite culture, this was a costly and very rare garment that was treasured. In addition to the coat of many colors, Joseph had two dreams. He had a dream of wheat sheaves bowing down to him. And he had a dream of the sun, moon, and stars also bowing down. Of course, this caused his brothers to resent him, and they plotted his ruin these dreams symbolized Joseph's apparent supremacy and provoked his brothers to betray him. And according to Genesis, we know that his brothers contrived against him and would have killed him if his eldest brother Reuben had not stepped in. And as an alternative, he convinced his brothers to throw Joseph in a pit and secretly intended to rescue him later. However, while Reuben was away, the others decided to sell Joseph. I'm just giving you a quick overview of his life. 
decided to sell him to a group of Ishmaelite traders. When the traveling Ishmaelites appeared, uh, the brothers pulled Joseph up. They sold Joseph to the merchants for 20 pieces of silver. The brother then soaked Joseph's coat into goat's blood and presented it to their father, declaring that wild beasts had killed uh, Joseph. So that's kind of an overview of his life up until this point. Theologians compare Joseph and Jesus, and we see a lot of comparisons. Both Joseph and Jesus were envied and hated without cause. Genesis 37, 4, and when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Mark 15, 10, for he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. John 15, 25, they hated him without cause. So both of these men uh, were envied and hated without cause. Both were a root out of dry ground. Joseph was the son of Israel's old age in Genesis 37.3. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, Isaiah 53.2. Both foretold that one day he would rule. Joseph, that's what got him in trouble. He told his brothers, his father, his mother, that he would rule. And they were, Genesis 37.7, they were... Uh, binding sheaves of grain in the middle of the field, suddenly my sheaf rose up, stood upright, your sheaf surrounded my sheaf and bowed down to it. Ma- uh, Matthew 26, 64, Jesus said to him, you have said it yourselves, but I tell you from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Both men were accused of being dreamers uh, and somewhat delusional Joseph's brothers said look the dreamer is coming and those trying to capture Jesus literally said he is out of his mind Joseph and Jesus were rejected and condemned to die the brothers of Joseph conspired to kill him in his hometown he was driven Jesus was from the synagogue to a cliff And at the end of his life, the crowd shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Each man was sold for silver into the hands of Gentiles. Both Joseph and Jesus were stripped of their clothing. Both men were placed in the earth and forsaken. Joseph and Jesus were raised from a pit. Each man became a servant. Joseph in the house of Potiphar, Jesus to his own. Joseph and Jesus resisted temptation. Both Joseph and Jesus were falsely accused. They were both numbered with transgressors. Each of these men promised deliverance to a condemned man. Joseph to the cupbearer, Jesus to the, to, the, uh, to the thief on the cross. Both men spoke words of prophecy. All people were commanded to bow before each of these men. His own recognized neither Joseph nor Jesus. Both Joseph and Jesus revealed themselves to man. And Joseph said unto his brothers, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? Thomas' response upon the revelation of Jesus was, My Lord and my God. So, quick synopsis of Joseph's life. A little bit of comparison between 
Joseph and Jesus, I think everybody in here wants to be like Jesus. Am I right here today? Do we want to be like Jesus? So we can learn from that shadow of Jesus or that type, which would be Joseph. And so the question I present to you today is what made the difference? What what was different about Joseph than his brothers? What what was the difference? And so today I just title what I'm going to talk about as the Joseph uh, difference. The Joseph difference. You know, we're here today to learn, to grow, to be better, to do better. And I could stand here today and, I guess, spout off things from leadership books and regurgitate ideas that you find on the shelves of Christian bookstores. Um, but, and, and that's all well and good, and it has its place, and I, I read, and I think you should as well. We should grow, but what more can we do than look to the Word of God for our answers? And so, when I think of Joseph, I, I see someone that is different, someone that is special, someone that is to be emulated. And as leaders, as workers in the church, there's a lot of principles that we can gather from the life of Joseph. Now, this session is going to be a little, uh, I'm not, not going to be very long on this session. Um, what I really want to share with you, we'll do after the lunch. So I'm not going to hold you too long. I know that I'm uh, in between you and lunch food. And so I don't want to, that's not a, a great place to be, but we'll get through this. So let me share with you some principles today. Number one, humility in strength. Humility in strength. It's important that as leaders of the church, as people working for God, that we uh, are humble, that we come across humble. Genesis 48, 1, and it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and, and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and set up on the bed. Even as in second in command over all of Egypt. Imagine that place. Joseph was at the pinnacle. He was at the peak of his, his rule. He was powerful. He was influential. He was, um, you know, he, he had everything he could want. He had everyone at his beck and call. Whatever he said happened. And yet, during that time in his life, he understood that even though he was he was an important person, that there is a, there is a, prog a progression, there is a, a way to be blessed. And he understood that he had to humble himself, go to his father, take his sons. His sons um, were privileged, they were special, but he understood that his father had a special blessing that would be placed upon him. We don't read where any of Joseph's other brothers went to their father and said, Joseph, or uh, Israel, we want you to bless our children. 
And so I think today um, God has, has blessed the church. We have so much. Uh, we, we're doing so well. God has, has given us so much. But there is a place for humility in the church, especially in the leadership, to say, God, we need your help. We need your blessings. Genesis 48, 8, And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dimmed for age so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God has showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. So here we have the picture, the mental picture of the second greatest person in all of Egypt bowing his face to the ground before his father. What a powerful image. What an important image for all of us. Hey, we can never get too high-minded. We can never get too heady. We can never get too comfortable being in a leadership position or um, so proficient, so efficient that we don't realize that we need the help of the Almighty. We need God's help. We cannot do this by ourselves. And I'm going to tell you, the person that stands and tells you that they know how to do it and they've got it all figured out, you need to mark that person. Because I'm going to tell you, we need God. We need, we need his help in everything we do. And it is so important for, for people in leadership positions, people that are working in departments, for us to show humility in strength. Yes, you've been elevated. Yes, you've been placed in a special position. Yes, your pastor has, um, has uh, confidence in you and your abilities. But at the same time, it's so important that we show humility in our strength. Number two, and I understand I'm dealing with um, a, a younger church, 27 years, but... I see people of all ages in this room, so I would assume this church has people of all ages. And the second thing that I would say is a difference maker in Joseph among his brothers is this. He had respect and reverence for elders. He had respect and reverence for elders. You say, well, why would we talk about this today? Because this is one of the main things I see. Now, I'm from the South. It's, it's innate in Southerners to appreciate older people. It just is. It's just the way we flow. You know, we, we, we would get spankings for not saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, okay? Out here, you think that's an insult to say yes, sir. Or, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, so it's something that's kind of in our culture as, as people from the South to be more respectful to elders. But I want to tell you something. It is, in my opinion, well, not just my opinion, the Word of God. It's the opinion of the Word of God that we show respect to elders and that we show reverence to people 
uh, that are older than us. And this is something that made Joseph different. This is something, and, and you say, well, how does, this, how does this work into leadership? Well, it matters in how you treat people. It matters in how you, you respect others. And so Joseph was different. Genesis 47, the time for Israel to die approached, so he called his son Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me in the burial place. Joseph said, I will do as you say. Jacob said, swear to me that you will do so. So Joseph gave him his word. Then Israel bowed down at the head of his bed. Leviticus 19.32 says, You must stand up in the presence of the aged. Honor the presence of an elder and fear your God. I am the Lord. Paul instructed Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, Do not address an older man harshly, but appeal to him as a father. Speak to younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with complete purity. Now, another reason I bring this principle, the Joseph difference principle of showing respect, reverence to elders, is um, I see... The majority of you are younger here today, and it's easy to want progress and to move forward and to make changes, and I, I think the church should progress. I, like I said, our church, uh, my grandfather took the church in 1946. Uh, there were about 12 people there uh, in the church, so my grandfather was there, then my father, and then I'm there. So you can imagine it's a multi-generational church. Sure, we're going to change things. Sure, we're not going to sing the songs that they sang in 1950. In Jesus' name. Uh, sure, we're going to change the carpet color. Sure, we're going to add uh, projection and all these things. But it's so important. And, and as this church grows older and, and matures, not spiritually, you're, I believe you're spiritually mature, but as a church, uh, just the age of a church, it's going to be important for younger people, younger leaders, to be careful in how you deal with people and how you uh, approach change and how you approach doing things. Um, it's, an, it's an important thing. I believe that one of the greatest blessings in my life, I'm 40 years old, and I've been working alongside my dad for, um, well, over uh, 22 years, um, and, and I can honestly say that the Lord has helped me to apply this principle in my own life, in my own way, and I know the benefit, I know the blessing and the safety that comes with uh, showing respect and being careful with how we treat people that are older than us. Number three, perseverance and excellence in difficulty. My dad says something. He says that um, if it wouldn't have happened like it did, it wouldn't be a trial. Uh, 
if, if, if all of the elements that transpired didn't do it that way, if it didn't happen that way, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a difficult problem or situation. So we're not promised um, a fluffy cloud. Man, that bed last night sure was comfortable. Uh, we're not promised life on a comfy bed. Life is going to be filled with difficulties. And when you add a room full of people into the mix, you're adding however many people can sit in this room, you're adding that much difficulty. <laughs> and so it's important that we realize that even through difficulty, even through hard situations, difficult situations, that we persevere and that we show excellence. I think the word that can be attached to Joseph above all other words is the word excellence. Uh, Joseph was a man of excellence uh, all through his life. Uh, he's in the prison and they, they make him over the prison because he just had that touch. He had that ability. It was, it was a God-given ability. And, and he showed excellence and perseverance. He did not give up. Genesis 39, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him kindness. He granted him favor in the sight of the prison ward. The warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care. He was in charge of whatever they were doing. The warden did not concern himself with anything that was in Joseph's, Joseph's care because the Lord was with him, and whatever he was doing, the Lord was making successful. God has placed things in our care, and he expects us to do them well. He expects us to do them right. It's important that we continue on. It's important that we deal with the difficulties we're faced. We don't throw up our hands. We don't lose our Holy Ghost when something doesn't go right. Um, we, don't, we don't develop a bad attitude or a chip on our shoulder when, when people don't cooperate the way we want them to. Uh, we don't, we don't um, resign our position uh, because we get into a difficult situation or we're dealing with a sticky issue or trying to navigate through something. No, we persevere. We work through it. We're diligent. We're faithful. Amen? I'm doing a lot of talking. Hopefully you're uh, catching what I'm saying today. Number four, the Joseph difference is Joseph was otherworldly. Otherworldly. He wasn't worldly. He was otherworldly. In other words, his dreams, his mindset, his principles, his morals, and his desires were of another world. It's important that we do not forget that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. This is not a corporation. I know it is on paper, but it's not a corporation. This is a this is the church of the living God. And the way we operate is not the way that the corporation down the street operates. I would even go so far as to say it's not even the way the denominal church operates. This is the church of the living God. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of this church. Amen? 
And so it's important that our mindset is right, that we don't get trapped into this corporate mentality uh, or we don't get trapped in a mindset that, that prohibits us from being everything God wants us to be. Uh, you know, I, I see people, they get caught up. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking about our local church, and, and I see people that get, get frustrated uh, by the details and, and bogged down by the issues. And, and you just, sometimes you want to, to um, just get them in the Holy Ghost and give them a good shaking so they can see that, you know, it's not about, it's not about those details and the frustration that comes. We're working for another world. We, what we're doing here has eternal consequences. Everything you do, I don't care what it is, you may be over um, the hospitality ministry, music, youth, whatever you are doing. We are doing this for another world. We are doing this for eternity. And it's important that we keep that mindset. Uh, John 17, verse 16, Jesus said, They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Speaking of his disciples, set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world so I sent them into the world, and I set myself apart on their behalf so that they too may be truly set apart. We are consecrated for worship. We are consecrated to the, for the use of God. And what you're doing today is something very special. What you're doing in your church is special. And I pray that you would keep that otherworldly mindset. You don't get trapped in this world. You don't get trapped in this culture. Hey, we're a part of another culture. Is that right? We're part of kingdom culture. And it's so important that our mindset is right. Number five, integrity in the midst of temptation. Integrity in the midst of temptation. Every person in this room will deal with some form of temptation. Now, I understand the word temptation can be interpreted also as trial. Uh, so you can use both. But the difference in Joseph's life than that of his brothers, what makes him stand out, what makes him a, a type and shadow of Jesus Christ, is he had integrity in the midst of temptation. Genesis 39, 9. This, uh, there is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Brothers and sisters, if there's anything the devil's going to attack, it's going to be leadership. If there's any place in the church that the enemy is going to try to come in, it's going to be leadership. It's going to be people working for God. Now I want to encourage you today. Just tell the devil he's a liar. Say no. Don't get in those situations. Uh, you're going to have, you know as well as I, if you've been working for the work of, in the work of God, you're going to have times where, where your flesh could easily be distracted, easily go the wrong way. Uh, but I want to encourage you today for us as a church to have integrity, 
to be filled with integrity, to be careful in what we say, be careful the text messages we send, be careful the things we go to online. Is this okay? Everybody okay with this? You know, be careful the interaction you have with people. Uh, God has set us apart. He's consecrated us for ministry. It's important that we understand that. It's what made the difference in Joseph's life. Had he failed in Potiphar's house, things would have turned out differently. God was testing him. God's testing you in the place you are in now. And that test will, will determine where you go in the kingdom of God and how far you go. There's people that have great talents. I've dealt with people that they could preach incredibly. They were anointed, gifted speakers. But their morality stopped them. They couldn't go any further than their morals. And so I encourage us to understand that God, God expects more from us. Why? Because He set us apart. He's consecrated us for His service. Number six, the Joseph difference. Joseph was resourceful and competent. He was resourceful and competent. Pharaoh called Joseph discerning and wise, discerning and wise. You see, in the midst of plenty, he prepared for famine. We know from Scripture that when there was a great, when the harvest was plentiful and everything was going well, what did Joseph do? He took one-fifth of the harvest and stored it back. Um, Genesis 41, 56, and the famine was over all the face of the earth and Joseph opened all the storehouses. Now, that didn't just happen. There was strategic planning and administration. Hey, I believe in the operation of the Holy Ghost. I believe every service, the Holy Ghost should move. I believe that. I want a move of the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost, uh, I should say it like this, God expects us to be competent and to be resourceful and to plan and to have a, a plan in motion. And if the Holy Ghost wants to take over our plan, so be it. But I want to tell you, you can't cover up incompetence you can't cover up lack of planning for a move of the Holy Ghost. It just doesn't work that way. And I want to tell this church, it's obvious. 27 years, it's obvious there's been some strategic planning and administration. And for you to go to the next level, there's going to have to be strategic planning and administration. It's just part of the deal. You've got to be resourceful. You've got to be competent. You've got to grow with the responsibility. You've got to understand that there are going to be times where it's going to be barren. There are going to be times for when the, when the church is just, there's some dry seasons and spells we go through. But it's in those moments that God is looking at us and saying, did you prepare for this? Are you prepared for this? Every church deals with these things. Last year, 
I don't think any of us initially was prepared for what we were going to deal with. I'm sure out here you dealt with way more than we did. But we were closed for seven weeks. We had church online for seven weeks. And I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful to say today that God blessed us. And there were people that we had on our team that were competent enough to make a transition from having in-person church to online church. But it took, it took hours of doing that. And so I want to encourage you to continue. This is, this is one of the things, one of the greatest places where Joseph shines. He had a plan. It was a God-given plan. God gives us the plan. God has given the vision for this church to your pastor. He has the plan. He has the vision. It's up to us to, to get behind it and, and to deal with it and to adapt to it and to work with it and to be uh, workers together with our pastor and with the Lord. Think about Daniel for a moment, just briefly. He was ten times wiser, healthier, and blessed because of not only, well, the main reason was because he was consecrated. And he said, I'm not going to drink the wine, I'm not going to eat the meat of the king. But it was also because he was skilled, he was knowledgeable, he was uh, able to be uh, trained. And so the same is true with Joseph. He was resourceful, he was competent. Number seven, and this is one of those ones that all of us need to deal with. Never settle old scores. You know, in church leadership, I realize you're talented, uh, you have abilities, and if we're not careful and we don't harness those and the Holy Ghost doesn't help us, we can create power trips, we can be vying for position, ego can get involved, we can remember the time that we were on our way up and someone knocked us down or they overlooked us or they uh, chose to use someone different than us. And then when we get in the place of leadership, it would be easy for our flesh to retaliate. Say, ah, yeah, I remember what you did. Or maybe, and this is, this I've seen this happen in youth, maybe the the problem was with the mom and dad, and we take it out on the kids that have nothing to do with it. It's important in leadership that we never settle old scores. This is what makes a church work. When people say, you know what, I'm going to forgive. I am going to forgive. Yes, I may have done wrong. And I'm going to tell you, and, and my wife can tell you, in the midst of when we're in the middle of a project, or we're in the middle of a conference, man, you know, all of our emotions are heightened and, and you know, go get this, do this. And, and you may say it not quite the right way and, and it'd be easy to become offended or get hurt or get mad. Uh, and then one day the opportunity will, will present itself that you could settle that score. But think about the difference in Joseph. He never settled old scores. Never. Genesis 50, 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father 
was dead. They said, what if Joseph bears a, a grudge and wants to repay us in full for all the harm we did to him? At that moment, they realized, ah, here we are. Our dad's not here. Joseph's in power. What if he decides to settle the score with us now? And it was our text today. Joseph said, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass, as it is this day to save much people alive. You meant to harm me, but God intended it for a good purpose. These are the principles I have today to share with you. The Joseph difference. The Joseph difference. I don't know about you today, but I want to grow. I want to be more for God. I want to do more for God. I want to, I want to adopt His Spirit. I want to become more like Jesus. And I want to see the church of the living God grow. I don't want to see the church fade away. Hey, I don't know about here, Brother Mayo, but even, even in the South, there are church campuses after this past year that are literally being put up for sale. We just had the, 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 the blessing, and I don't say this boastfully, but we just had the blessing to purchase the First Baptist Church of North Little Rock. Uh, it was a building that was built in 1968. Uh, Three-story building, 43,000 square feet, 4.75 acres for $500,000. Yeah, that's, that's insane even in Arkansas. And I promise you our cost of living and building and all that is so much cheaper than here. But um, it was an absolute miracle. But literally the church doesn't even exist. Um, the Baptist Association was just kind of keeping the lights on, trying to, to um, just keep the building up. And there was, they were leasing it to a, a group of people. Um, and so the Lord just blessed us. Um, they, were, they needed to get out of it, and God blessed us to purchase it. And in four weeks, we raised the money uh, to purchase that building, and Tuesday we signed the papers, and it belongs to us, and we're going to expand our Christian school uh, into that space. And so I don't say that to boast. What I am saying is I want to see the work of God continue forward, and I believe that's the reason you're here today. That's why you would come on a Saturday, uh, because you have a desire, a burden to see the work of God progress and grow and do more look at the place God has for you the new the new place God has for you the the potential you can feel it in this atmosphere um, I feel almost overwhelmed by the Holy Ghost right now as I'm speaking because you can feel the the potential uh, for what God wants to do in this place and he's going to use men and women uh, he's got to use people to do it and so we've got to be different We've got, to be, we've got to be set apart. We've got to be consecrated. We've got to be like Jesus. And we need to take some lessons from Joseph of the Old Testament. May the Lord bless you today.